Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Davey Hudson alongside former Titan Denard Walker, and we are really excited to have you join us as the Titans have improved to 3-0, and and we break down the Titans' 31-30 comeback win over the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. 3-0. and They've been super close, but I mean, it's it's got me feeling optimistic, and so I just got to ask the question, do you believe? And football is back. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You know, the Titans. They were a two-and-a-half-point favorite last I checked, and I, th- I think that's what the line closed at. And uh, ultimately, we didn't get there, and I, I kind of was thinking Tennessee was going to have a at least a three-point victory. I'll, I'll say that much, but hey, I feel like I bought the win. Might have lost my money there, but I bought the win in my book. So hey, I will take it. Enough of that. I'm sure you guys are wanting to hear about the breakdown that Denard and I have for you. So Denard, this was a game that the Titans were struggling a little bit, and then they finally came through, were able to get the comeback, and ultimately come out with a W. What are your initial thoughts after taking in that entire 60-minute performance? Well, it took all 60 minutes to get a victory today, and that's what this game is about. I tell you, Davey, watching this game, this was one of the best games that I've seen in a long time because you didn't know which which way this game was going to go. Uh, neither team basically they wouldn't quit both teams is it literally was a game of attrition it was like each team was going to impose their will on one another and the question that i had was who was going to break because minnesota wasn't going to break today forget about that 0-2 record this was a team that came out and said listen you are going to get our best today and that's exactly what tennessee got they got more. Than, hey, when you step on that field on Sundays, you never know what to expect. Anything can happen on a Sunday, a Monday, or a Thursday. That's the way this game is played, and that's what happened today. I think a lot of people was writing this team off. They basically were saying they're done, they're finished. Unfortunately, Minnesota, they didn't get the memo, and this team came out and played the way we thought that they would play especially before the season started, because this is a team each year. A, a Don's, Coach Zimmer teams always are in the hunt when you're talking about a team representing the NFC or the Super Bowl, and they play like it today. So this was a game of attrition, and this was a game where, man, it came right down literally once again to literally the last series of the game. 
Yeah, the Titans have now won all three games by a combined six points. Now, it's not a big separation, but you are on top, and that's the key thing. And as we look at who was really the guy that kind of kept the team in this one throughout the course of the day, it's the guy that everyone, including myself, were extremely, extremely worried about moving forward after that Denver game. But Steven Especially Gossett, you. I was. I was. I, I'll sit here and take it. I didn't know if he was going to be able to correct his mistakes. I just, when you look back at him having that surgery over the offseason and then coming in the game and just playing as poorly as he did, I didn't know if he was going to be able to correct it. But since the Denver game, he was 2-for-2 two two in field goals for the Jacksonville Jaguars win. He was 3-of-4 on extra points in that game. But today... He had six of six. I'm trying to pull up the links of of oh. them right now, but he was one of one on extra right points. Here. You got him? Okay. Yes, he was. Noah's Long was 55, which was the game winner. Game winner, baby. But ultimately 19 points from your kicker, and you needed every single one of them to come out on top. Well, it was your kicker who carried you through. Without him today, this team didn't have a chance to win. And you know I'm going to rub it in on you because you were very hard on Mr. Biskowski. I was. You of all people. And I told – what did I tell you? I told you. I said, what, what happens What? What happens when veterans struggle? They will go in and they will find a way to fix things. I specifically told you. I was on you. I said, Davey, do not count this guy out. You know why? Because Steven is a veteran. Why do you think he's been in a game for so long? Why do you think that when, when his time, when his time is up in this league, he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer? He's that good. And the reason he's that good is because he's able to figure it out. He's mentally strong. You can't break him. These kickers, that's this game is 90% mental. And for a guy to have longevity in this game, he's ha- he has to have the mental. Uh, ability to withstand the test of times, the struggles when you get knocked down in this game, because it's going to happen. The question is, is how do you respond to adversity? And when you can respond with the attitude that instead of going around it, I'm going to go through it, then that will give you a chance to be successful in this league. As it relates to the Titans overall, I thought for early on, I mean, the Titans got out to a six nothing lead, but two of those possessions were situations where the Titans offense really sputtered. And it when you go back and you kind of look at where their field position was, I mean, they had a fumble, Dalvin Cook fumbled it, and they're able to get a little bit of a return. And ultimately, the offense isn't able to move the ball, but they are able to get a field goal out of it. If you can turn those into touchdowns and the offense isn't struggling, you're feeling a lot better about the game. And, I mean, you had another situation where you didn't even get a field goal in this one, but Jonathan Joseph had what would have been a pick six if not for a personal foul penalty for a crackback block by Jadavion Clowney. And so that that really kind of hurt because then the Titans offense once again fell out of field goal range and had to punt it. And so it's like you got these breaks, but then you weren't able to capitalize. But then once the third quarter, kind of halfway through, started to go, you saw the Titans really start to make some plays happen. And I guess, Denard, for your main takeaways outside of the kicking game, what would you say 
was what propelled the Titans to the win today? Well, first of all, I'm going to say this. I, I have to talk about the kicking game, and I'm not going to I'm not going to go into detail the depth. But I just want to give you something right now, and, and I want to go back to week one, and I'm going to give you some numbers. 47, 44, and 42. What does those numbers mean to you? I take it those were his misses during Denver? Exactly. That's why I love you. So smart. <laughs> That's, those were his misses. One of the things I told you about Stephen Gukowski, what is he going to do? He's going to figure it out. 30, 31, 39, 51, 54, and then the nail by the clutch, 55. And on the 55-yarder at the end of the game, guess what? He still had a lot more leg in that kick. But the thing that really – what happens – listen, sometimes when a team is struggling and they're not capitalizing on breaks, you need something or someone on that given day that you can follow. Today, this team followed their kicker, Stephen Gakowski. They followed his lead. In my opinion, he willed this team to victory today because they were stagnant in the first half. They only had nine points. But because of your kicker, the same guy that a lot of people, was they wrote off two weeks ago because they thought, okay, here's another year. We're going to have about four or five more guys in, and then it's going to be the same old script from last year. And I said, no, it's not. He's, he's not like any of those guys. No, none of those guys are nothing like Stephen Gakowski. He is that good. So this team was a reflection on the way that he played. He was the guy today that galvanized his team by his play and his performance. Let me tell you something. When you got nine points and your offense is stagnant in the first half, the thing that I love about Coach Smith, the offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, he never abandoned his playbook today. He stayed with the running game today. He stayed with Derrick. I will. And this is what I love is when they go ahead. I'll I'll let you finish, but I do want to come back to that. Just a, just a reminder. I want to I want to come back to uh, Smith's play calling. His play calling was great because a lot of times when things are not going good, a lot of times you will see offensive coordinators they go into the locker room and say, "Listen, we got to do this. We got to do that." A lot of offensive coordinators start panicking. Not today. He didn't. He stayed with the game plan. If you ever look at the the third quarter and on. In the middle of the third quarter, he started off every drive. It looked the same. What did he start off the drive? What did it look like with the run? He to started get, off get with Derek the run on the to outside of the tackle. Yeah, that's it. He's trying to get him on the outside, get it, get some leverage, try to just get some some yardage. And I love that today. But what happens was as this as the offense started rolling, as Derek started getting stronger. What did it do to the defense? It got those guys ready. Let me give you a, a brief. So you remember the 38-yard scamper by Corey Davis? That's what got things started. He took a 12-yard pass underneath from Ryan, turning into a 38-yard gain. Then you can start see the momentum started changing at that point. That was a big play because they had been stagnant the whole game. Then all of a sudden, they get down in the goal line. They get down in the red zone. They were able to cap it off when Derrick goes over the top, you know, he, Look like Herschel Walker diving in the end zone. So my question is, is that now you can start seeing this team get momentum. So the question that I had now was, how will the defense respond? Now that you've seen your office, now they're able to go down and score. What do they do? Let me give you a hint. Lorel Merchinson from North Carolina State, their fifth round pick, 
makes that big old tackle on De- boy he knocked the mess out of Dalvin Cook and now it puts Minnesota where in the in the second half of the game they were in a lot of third and long and that's what an offensive court Gary Kubiak didn't want to see that he didn't want to see his team in third and long because when you're offense and you third and long he can't call the plays that he want to he's just trying to pick up guards now to put the team to, to put them in the, like they can punt so they can get Tennessee a bad field position that's really what hurt them in the second half was field position because they were in so many thirds and long. So I got to give it up to Lorel Murchison. The big man came to play out of North Carolina State. And so now what happened? They went three and out after the offense scored. And then guess what happened? The offense sees the defense go three and out, Davey. So guess what now? You're starting to see this team galvanize. You're starting to see that momentum change. You're starting to see the ebbs of the floor starting to go. It's going Tennessee's way now. Because guess what happened now? Another X factor of the game. I'm sorry to get excited, but oh, let me tell you something, Davey. Do you know where Holy Cross is? Indiana, right? I don't know. I'm asking you. You're the one with the. Law I thought degree. it was. I thought it was close to Notre Dame. If I, I, I could be wrong on that. Let me let me double check. I know you're going with Khalif Raymond. There you go. But Khalif I, Raymond. Where, where, where's Holy Cross? Let's let's. Keep talking. I'm just going to type this in. You got to look it up. So you got to look it up. That's what I wanted you to look it up. Actually, I got it. I want you to figure it out. So check this out. So when the defense gets the third and out, the three and out, that's huge. That's called a momentum builder. Now you can start seeing Tennessee. They're getting that momentum. And guess what happened next? Ryan hits for a 62-yard bomb to who? Mr. Khalif Raymond from where? Lawrenceville, Georgia by way of Holy Cross. This is a young man who basically had to write a letter to Holy Cross just trying to get a scholarship offer because he got hurt his senior year in high school. Basically looking at people. It's in Worcester, Massachusetts. So I was pretty far off on that one. Massachusetts. About halfway across Thank the country. You. But See, I have that right here. It's all right. I'm not going to tell you that because I wanted you for one time to get something wrong. You learn something so new every day. So guess what that does now? You learn something new. So again, when they hit that bomb, guess what? They were able to score again. So now you're starting to see this offense, they're rolling because Derek once again capped it off in the end zone. And now Tennessee's what? Up 25-24. Even though the two-point conversion failed, you're starting now to see now the tide is rolled. It's going our way. But again, this is what I love about Minnesota. There was no quit in them. There was all fight today. There was no bark. They were biting because guess what? They came back with Cal Rudolph. They got playmakers too. People forget Cal Rudolph is a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl tight end. He's one of the best in the business. And he makes that acrobatic catch in the end zone over Compton, who had great coverage. But again, Minnesota goes up 30-25. Do you understand? Football is a game of ebbs and flows. It's up and down. But you're starting to see, okay, here we go. It looks like a shootout. No, it's not going to be a shootout. I hate losing I hate using that word. But now you're starting to see this game pick up because neither team is quitting. And this is where this is where you actually start to this is where the game start gets it gets going. And one of the things I love is going into that fourth quarter, 636. Once again, who comes up big? Steven Gakowski with a 54 yarder that gives Tennessee three points. Now it's 28-30. And then going into the fourth quarter, let me tell you something. My last, the X factor of this game, again, this is a guy that you're not gonna see on a stat sheet, but a guy that played lights out. Was a first rounder last year out of Mississippi State, Mr. Jeffrey Simmons, 
absolutely with Lawrence Taylor, with Beast Mode on. I'm telling you something. If you watched him play today, he played with passion. I've never seen a guy basically just say, listen, I'm going to take over. This is my team. This is my defense. I'm taking over the game. And literally, when we watched Cousins in the last, what, in the fourth quarter, when it was nut crunch time, when they were basically trying to fight for their lives, how many times did we see him having to throw the ball away? How many times did you see they had some um, some bad breaks because of the snap one time where we nearly had it? That's because Jeffrey Simmons was basically a man among boys. He basically was literally taking hit the lineman, the offensive lineman for Minnesota, pushing him all the way back into Cousins. And when you have that kind of pressure, a quarterback, he doesn't have time to do the things that he wants to do. And that really is where the defense basically just came alive. And then we start seeing Davion making plays. We saw that defense alive once again, like we saw last week against Jacksonville. They got stronger as the game went on. And that is a sign of a defense-minded championship team. That's why when you look at this team right now, I said it time and time again before the season started, they got all the pieces in place to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year, uh, down in Tampa this year. As it relates to Jeffrey Simmons, he was credited with four solo tackles, one sack, and two tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. I do want to say that on the final drive, and I, I got a question that I'll, I'll get into here in a second for you, Denard, but um, he had one play that, unfortunately, he got a passer, roughing the passer call for like basically yeah. grazing Kirk Cousins, which I don't agree with that. The announcers didn't agree with it, but mm-hmm. I understand in the NFL nowadays, they're going to do whatever they can to make sure the quarterback doesn't get touched, but... As it relates to the play calling, I thought Arthur Smith had a much better second half than he did his first half. Outside of the, to, to start the second half, the Titans were behind 17-9. to And when you're looking at how the Titans ended up, if I can pull it up, all their plays in the second half, the first drive, the first play of the second half was an interception by Kirk Cousins, as we kind of talked about earlier. But yeah. you had to punt on that drive. But outside of that, your next drives were field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, and then to end the game, you took a knee. Now, I thought to be able to keep the team going, we're still down A.J. Brown. So fortunately, Khalif Raymond, who had three receptions for 118 yards, was able to kind of be a little bit of a deep threat to keep the defense honest. But when you're looking at the ultimate drive that you had to get in, you're down 30 to 28, you took over with a minute, 58 to go, I believe was, no, you took over with 342 to go. And like you said, yeah, you you ran it to the right with Derrick Henry, who was able to get five yards, and you started that drive at your own 19. But we finally, the two-minute warning happens. We get down. We'd been running it. We got plenty of time. We just need to get in field goal range. But the Titans go with three straight passes. You had a first and tenure at the Minnesota 38. And then you just you're not able to get anything going there and I didn't understand why they tried to get away from the run. Now fortunately, it was a long one, but you set up Goskowski for a 55-yard field goal. But you could have milked the clock a little bit. You could have gotten Derek some more time and he was beaten on the defense, especially there late. You could tell they were tired. So I don't understand why Arthur went away from the run at that point. That's my only critique well, for him on the game. Well, let me give another critique is the fact that this game could we could be talking about Tennessee losing this game because I think a lot of people forgot with a minute 48, uh, excuse me, two minutes left in the game. Somebody dropped the ball. 
when Ron, let me tell you something, Ron Tannehill is living right. We forgot uh, Minnesota almost had that interception, and that would have sealed the deal for the Vikings. So luckily, Holton Hill actually dropped the ball because he had it. He went the route, that out route, the little five-yard out route by uh, CD. And when CD went to go get it, Holton Hill had it. I mean, the only thing he's got to do is snag that ball in. If Holton snags that five-yard route, that out route, guess what? We're talking about Minnesota getting their first victory. So that's when you know, first of all, when you're living right, Rod Hanatil is living, Rod Tannehill is living the way you're supposed to be living because that's what pros always say. When something bad can happen, but it turns out your way, it means you must have done something good or you've done something good for somebody else other than yourself. Because again, this game could have went either way. But the fact that one of the things I love about Coach Smith today, and I know sometimes when things are not going good, that's one of the things people talk about is why. That's one of the things that people question from head coaches right down to the coordinators is why would you do this, especially at that time of the game? He had he basically has an agenda. He has a DNA, and what his DNA is, we're a ball control team. When you look at the second half of the game, he started every one of their series with a run. He'll come back sometimes with a little pass across the middle, but then he'll come right back to a run, another to a run. He basically said, listen, I'm going to stay with the running game regardless of what's happening because when you have a strong running game and you know that you got a running back that only gets stronger in the second half, guess what that does? It takes time off the clock. He was trying to run that clock down as much as he could. So if they got the ball back, just like they did with a minute left, a minute 44 left in the fourth quarter, they got to do something quickly. They got to go because, you know, time, I mean, every play, it just eats up time. So that's what happens. That's the plus when you got a great running back. And we also seen Darrington. He got Darrington some carries. He spilled Derrick a few times in the game. So that's a good thing. And I think as the season as it gets, as we as, it, as he prolongs into the season, we're going to start seeing more Derrick and Evans uh, implemented in the game plan because this gives Derrick a chance really to take a breather. He doesn't have to take a beating, and we can get Darrington some some of those key because with Darrington, he's so good and he's so elusive. You can actually use him a lot, like they use Dalvin also in the passing game. So I think that would be a plus for this offense, especially now that he's healthy that look, look for more Derrick and Evans uh, being implemented in this offense. Well, Derrick Henry did have 26 carries for 119 yards on the day with two touchdowns. Uh, Derrick and Evans had three carries for nine yards. To go back, I, I still would have, I know clock was kind of becoming an issue, but the plan was to not even, since you're, if you're going to have to kick a field goal in this situation when you're down two, you want to make sure there's no time left on the clock for Minnesota to even have an opportunity. So I still would have liked to have seen them run the ball in that situation just to make it, if anything, a closer field goal, because I don't think after how the Titans have been running it, especially late, Minnesota's going to stop them three straight times uh, for, for no gain or very little gain. I thought that Henry probably would have been able to get at least two, three yards of carry in that situation. Now, flipping the script and talking about running, but from the defensive side of the ball, the Titans allowed for the Vikings to average 7.5 yards of carry. That's not good. That's just... I'm... I'm frustrated when you you look at that and you're trying to make sure. I mean, Dalvin Cook averaged 8.2 yards a carry. He had 22 carries, 181. He set his career high. And then on the receiving side, I mean, Justin Jefferson, your boy out of LSU, he had seven receptions for 175 yards. So they were just cooking. I mean, I think it was 464 yards of total offense for him. That's just, you're not going to be able to win many games like 
against top-tier teams in the NFL whenever your defense is allowing that much to happen. And going back to talking about Jeffrey Simmons and the defensive line, I thought they were pretty non-existent until that final drive. And I don't know what switch or gear was turned on, but something happened. And I I thought it was interesting that we weren't even having to really bring a blitz. We were just keeping it three, four-man rushes, and they were still able to get to Kirk Cousins. So from someone who's played the game, really understands what's kind of going on in that situation. Why do you think it took so long for the Titans' defensive line to finally start to get pressure on Kirk Cousins? That's why you got four quarters. You know, I've always said that this game is like it's, it's like a boxing match. Okay, if you you've ever heard the saying that in a championship fight, that in the championship rounds actually start in a six round, so those six through twelve, so it's a twelve round fight. But the first one through five, they're just trying to figure each other out. So the question is, is, is that, and when I thought, and I heard that the game of football is the same way. You spend the first two quarters, basically what you're doing in the first series. And let me just say what most coaches do. Most offensive coordinators actually script the first 15 plays, <clears throat> the first 15 plays of what they're going to call in the game in the first quarter. So, you know, every off, majority of what most offensive coordinators do, that they do, excuse me, is the first 15 plays they're scripted. So regardless of what the defense gives you, they're going to run those first 15 plays. Why do teams do that? They do that because what they're trying to do is trying to see how you will defense that or vice versa. You know, if, if they're doing this on the defensive side of the ball, it's giving a defensive coordinator kind of a chance to see how I'm going to call this game. And so what you're basically doing for the first two or three series is you're just basically figuring each other out. We're just playing what well, we just, we play like chess. You make a move, I make a move. I'm going to make a move. I want to see how you're going to respond to it. Because a lot of times coaches are not really calling the game until that second, third, and the fourth quarter. Because now they're starting, getting, they're starting to get a feel of what's going on. And sometimes it takes time. We, let me tell you something about this Minnesota offense. I know they've been stagnant for the last two weeks, Davey. But they got a Pro Bowl quarterback in Kirk Cousins. He signed a three-year, 80-some million dollar deal. That means he's the real deal. He can play. He can make plays. You, re you remember this. You get paid for production. You get paid to produce. They got Dalvin Cook. They just paid him, what, a billion dollars, you know? He got paid handsomely. Why do they pay him? Because he's one of the best young backs in the game. You got Cal Rudolph. What is Cal Rudolph? He's a four- or five-time pro bowler. This guy is the real deal at tight end. So they got some playmakers. The question today was who's going to step up and be what Stephon, what Stephon was to this team the last three or four years. And that's what Justin Jefferson did. That's yeah. what he did today. I mean, he clearly stepped, he stepped in. up. He showed why he was a 22nd pick. He showed why he was the 27th pick in the first round. So the question for Minnesota that they had going into this game, and I can tell you something about Gary Kubiak because I've actually, he coached me in Denver. Is Cube is always looking for someone to make a play. And, and earlier on, what he what he said, listen, I got to fight, I got to get the ball to my playmakers more. But I need somebody other than Adam Thalen to step up today. And I bet you you saw where the first the first quarter, the first two quarters, they weren't going to Thalen. They were going to Jefferson. They basically said, listen, we're calling you out. We need you to be. What Stefan was to us. We need you to step into that role. I know you're just 21 years old. I know you went to LSU. 
I know that. But we need you to step up. That's why we drafted you in the first round. That's what a first rounder job is, is to come in and be ready to play when, you're, when your number's call. And usually they draft you like that because they're saying, we need you right now. And that's what he did today. Jonathan Joseph could not stop him. Malcolm, but we saw Malcolm. He could, he didn't, he was getting past the D. The, our secondary, no disrespect, I love the secondary, but Malcolm Butler and Jonathan Joseph today, they struggle, and they almost look like Minnesota's secondary from the last two weeks, giving up all of those explosive plays. And that's what happened. That's what would get you beat. So they got, if Tennessee's going to go forward, they got to eliminate that well, going forward. As it relates to that, Adoree Jackson will be able to come off of IR uh, after today, actually. So he's going to be practicing again, and from all indications, he should be ready to go for next Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do want to make a quick correction. I said that the Minnesota Vikings averaged 7.5 yards per carry. That was actually their total play, or total yards per carry for the game. It was actually 6.8 yards on the ground per carry and 8.2 passing yards per attempt. Now, report, or just, yeah, 8 yards per pass. Um, But yeah, I mean, they were just gashing us very often, and they were two of two whenever they made it to the red zone. The Titans were only two of four, and that's something you'd seen the Titans be very, very methodical in over the past couple of, past couple of seasons. They, They typically have been able to get to the red zone, and when they do, they are efficient. And seeing that kind of go the other way today was not good, but Obviously, luck's not always going to go your way, and those stats aren't always going to be able to be what we've seen the past couple of weeks and towards the end of last year. Now, the Titans able to come back home, get ready for Pittsburgh. Hopefully, it might be a little bit longer for A.J. before he gets back, but we will be needing him. But again, we constantly see that this team, no matter who they're playing against, they're going to find a way to keep it close keep it scrappy, and so far this season they've come out on top every single time. Uh, Pittsburgh is 3-0 and coming into this game, so got a battle of unbeatens. But, Denard, before we close out on the Minnesota game, is there anything else you would like to add as it relates to today's performance? Yeah, this was a gritty performance. I actually enjoyed watching this game because this game basically today was a – heavyweight boxing match between two great offenses, uh, two great defenses. I know right now their record doesn't reflect how good this team is. Remember, Minnesota has playmakers on their team. They just got a defense right now that and the defense played well for them today. First of all, they, they eliminated a lot of big plays today from Tennessee. And I said, that's what's going to allow this team to be in the game. And they did. And, but you know what? At the end of the day, and the way this league works, it's about wins and it's about losses. So the question is, is no matter, no matter if we play bad, if we can win, we'll fix that. We'll correct that tomorrow. We'll correct that all week. But the key is to win. Get it while you can. That's, the what, that's really what you're judged by is in, what's in the one, uh, excuse me, what's in the win column, what's in the loss column. If you get the W, that's it. We'll fix it. That's why we got 16 weeks. They got another 13 weeks to figure out all the rest of the things that they need to do to go forward. But that's the key. Get the W. They got the W. So congratulations. And again, Pittsburgh, 
here we go. Steel City. It's definitely been a matchup whenever those two teams get together in the Titans and the Steelers where it's always usually hard fought. Those two teams share a typical style of, all right, we're going to come in, be extremely physical, Pound. and it's it's just going to be a bloodbath really at the end of the day. So it is. I nice. Do not, yeah, I'm still waiting for an update on Taylor Lewan. It looked like a stinger when he went down, but I've not seen any other yeah. indications after that. But whenever we do meet again to talk about the preview of the Pittsburgh Steelers versus Tennessee Titans, hopefully we will have some information there. And that is going to do it for us today. But hey, 3-0, and moving on to the next week. Get ready. We're undefeated. Reason to be happy. Not not many other teams are able to say they're 3-0 in the NFL right now. So go to sleep knowing your team is undefeated. When you lay your head down on that pillow, feel pretty good. So for Denard Walker, I am Davey Hudson. You have been listening to Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, tighten up. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We are available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can follow along to keep up with all the latest Titans information on Twitter at Believe Titans. That's B-L-E-A-V-T-I-T-A-N-S. And hey, if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.